tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, everyone. I have two things to tell you really quick. The first is that we are currently releasing season two of the Gay Pirate Podcast, which means that A, you should be listening to that, and B, Escape from Reality will only be coming out once a month for the next three months. However, I will be releasing some bonus episodes along the way on this feed as well. The second thing is that I am currently offering portraits of people or pets as a way to raise some money for my dog Rufio's vet bills. Uh, The portraits are pretty cool, I personally think, and you can see examples of them both in our shop, which is hashtag ruthless.com slash shop, or on our Instagram, which is at hashtag ruthless pods. I'll put links to both of those and everything in the show notes, and that's all. So let's go hang out with our bestie, Lady Ruth Salisbury. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Any Way the Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapters 27 and 28 of Any Way the Wind Blows, in which we have a joint Simon and Baz duo POV, where our happy couple goes to visit Lady Salisbury. Um, a member of the old money mage families. Uh, she's fucking thrilled that Simon has killed the fucking mage, aren't we all? And then so they all have cake and chat. Lady Salisbury tells them about her missing son, Jamie, who is alive, which we know via Lady Salisbury's magical candle of her two children. Jamie didn't go to Watford because of ableist practices and lived pretty much as a normal. But... Like so many other white dudes in 2023, he got divorced and then sucked into online conspiracy theories, which then led him to Chosen One Reddit or something. The scam that Jimmy gets sucked into is this guy named Smith, Smith Richards, who is promising people magic and he's disappeared going to these meetings. So we have everyone a solid lead to to this investigation. Chapter 28, Lady Ruth. Um, is glad that Simon and Baz are a cute-ass couple and reflects on the terrible things that the fucking mage did to Simon and that she believes that these two can probably do what the coven and everyone else in the world of mages cannot. Oh, and the other reason she happens to hate the fucking mage is that her daughter Lucy got caught up with him and escaped because Lucy's candle is the sputtering one next to Jamie's in Lady Salisbury's altar. Record scratch! (laughs) yeah i think this is not maybe the reveal that it feels like it is because we do know that lucy's last name is salisbury already that's fair i i think i'd i think i'd forgotten (laughs) yeah oh my gosh we were saying off off air listeners just like how stoked we are about these chapters i love them so much um And we are going to start things off with Easy Come, Easy Go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, You should start. 
Um, of course, Baz is like, we, we're going to go uh, question someone who might have a lead. I have to put on a three-piece suit. <laughs> <laughs> My darling, darling boy. I love him so much. That's so silly. I feel like if you show up at someone's house looking like that, you, I know. You know. Okay, here's what <laughs> here's what it makes me think about, obviously, is Steed Bonnet being like... <laughs> Make everyone else feel underdressed. It's a power move. But like, in fact, most of the time, it's more the opposite. Like when he shows up at the Republic of Pirates and everyone is like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah. What, what is happening? <laughs> so, but Baz was right this time because, you know, it doesn't sound like she's dressed up. She's in yoga pants. But I think she's the kind of person who is not unused to seeing someone in a three-piece suit on a Tuesday afternoon. Right. So. Just randomly show up to her house. <laughs> right. All right. My first note is that in the, like, you know, first paragraph or whatever, when it's like Lady Salisbury, I was like, is she like a United Kingdom, you know, knighted by the queen lady or like a world of mages lady and then like two pages later baz was like is she like a uk lady or a world of mages lady no one knows (laughs) honestly considering lady salisbury's personality she might have just started being like y'all gonna call me lady salisbury and everyone's like that sounds fine okay (laughs) yeah that's true too i also wouldn't be surprised if she like was super well connected with random people in the normal UK in a way that led to her being is it still called being knighted when you're a woman no I don't know someone who knows please tell me I want to know the answer I mean if the photo of her husband above her bed is of him in a like military uniform like if he was hired from the military like maybe true true Mm -hmm. all right um Simon is describing her rich lady house and it's just like, oh yeah. And she is like the facade around the windows has like magical animals all around it. Rich people, you know? And I'm like, I would literally kill to have a house that had fucking <laughs> unicorns and mermaids and flying like, uh, like around the windows. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I had very similar reaction. <laughs> and in fact, my next note is just little otters with wings. So great. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same, same, big uh, same. Yeah, okay, so weirdly, my last note here is that I really love when Baz notes that he's given a smaller slice of cake than Simon is and is like, fair enough, I didn't kill the mage. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good observation. <laughs> uh, it's great. All right. I have, I have like, like three more things. Yeah, please. Um, part of which is, as maybe our earlier conversation i like don't have a strong memory of all the details from the first book but like did we know there's a weeping portrait of lucy in the catacombs we didn't know it was lucy until now okay yes all right um and my next two points are just like lol uh especially at when Lady Salisbury is like, yeah, he's believing like wild conspiracy theories, like vampires run Silicon Valley. And Baz is like almost drops his teeth. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, you could honestly say that in real life. And it, and it would be mostly true, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I'm sure we'll talk more about Jamie's whole, you know, the internet 
situation later. Never mind. I will stop now. Um, what do you have next? And my last thing is just that we learned through Lady Salisbury that Simon Snow fans stands have a name in universe, <laughs> which is Snowvinians, which I'm like. Y'all could have tried a little harder within that. Wait, did I read it wrong? Snovians, right? Snovians? Surely. I guess, yeah. I was not sure how to pronounce that word, so probably yeah. close. Just the one the one on Snovians. Um, but yeah, someone should have really workshopped that a little more. <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly. I know. And also cute. <laughs> and also must feel so weird for Simon, even though Baz is like, great, give me a... Give me a membership card. That is like, I am the president of the Snowvians <laughs> fan club, actually. You don't know it, but I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Um, I really just have Lady Salisbury and Jamie. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Lady Salisbury, Lady Ruth, um, is just the best. Yeah. Including our main characters. I guess she's in the running with Shepard for, like, my favorite character in this book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love her. Excellent. I know. Yeah. My note literally just says she's the fucking best, because she is. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Have you, have you watched the... Doctor Who 60th anniversary first episode yet? No, not yet. I think I'm just going to watch all of them in, in a chunk. It's you should watch it. Three part. <laughs> it is three, but you should watch, you should watch all right, it. I'll, I will. <laughs> um, it is not a spoiler to say, like, everyone knows that Yasmin Finney is cast as Donna's daughter. Like, as anyone would expect, like, Donna Noble being the mother of a trans person is, like, the, like, every trans person deserves to have Donna Noble as their mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, Like, I think one of the things in the trailer is her just being like, I would burn the world down for you. And I feel like her and Lady Ruth, like, same vibes. I feel like no queer person could do better than to have Lady Ruth as their guardian, you know, family member. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, I I love you <laughs> like so much when she's like, oh, I'm so happy that the rumors that Simon and Baz are dating are true. Like that's such great news. I know. Like, ah. <laughs> I know. She is she is so happy to have met and fed uh, this gay dragon and his boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. And she's so incredible. And also the fact that we learn in what these like 15 pages at like right lucy's been gone for like 20 years like her husband's been dead for 10 and her son has become QAnon essentially like that's a lot of tragedy (laughs) to happen to like one lady for her to still be like i don't know still so great like what a inspiration to us all honestly yeah totally and you can feel that it's not like fake yeah you know that there's just like those people in the world who can like roll with a thing where it like is taken seriously and given the gravity that it deserves and it doesn't like shake their sense of self i think in the way that my sense of self is shaken by (laughs) tragedy right right um and she's just like this is my outlook on the world and like it's mine and i'm keeping it in a way that is just 
really nice. I mean, the fact that she's maybe the only character that we see tell Simon and Baz is like, I don't see a, two young people. I see like literal war veterans. And I'm like, no, you are correct. <laughs> oh and God, like, these are real. the people that you want to help you find your uh, QAnon son. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm glad someone recognizes the fact that like, Simon had a harlot as a child soldier and is like, you know, a capable person, especially in this field of mystery solving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, mm, yeah. Yeah. It's just like she she's like seeing things in a way. It's not like she's not judgmental. She's like, I fucking hated the mage, you know, but like she just seems like she takes in information in a way that isn't being, I don't know, filtered through bullshit as much as other people. It's like she sees Simon's wings not through like a lens of like context and like whatever. She's just evaluating the wings as wings and is like, they are beautiful. It must be so fun to fly. And those are the two most important things about meeting someone who has wings. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, she's great. I love her. Jamie a little bit harder to like, I think. <laughs> I mean, and I say that just because uh, this book is so just contemporary in a way that is achingly painful, where it's like, obviously, Jamie has said some fucked up shit in his life where it's like, sorry that Watford was ableist as fuck and you weren't able to like go to school and learn how to actively develop your magical skills right and then you're at this low point in your life when you're you have a divorce and then you got sucked into being radicalized online which is like oh oh sorry yeah i feel like this chapter does a really good job of being like here are the reasons that we should feel for jamie and also jamie is making a choice to be in this you know it's like it's very clear that his mom has been trying to have conversations with him sort of all along being like, what? And I just feel like we have to give people responsibility for the way that they, the things that they choose to believe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like reminded me very uncomfortably of like family dinners with my brother with both me and my mom for years, like increasingly being like, what the fuck are you saying? And like, it just like going nowhere. And it's just, yeah, I'm like, that's gross. Like, that's a gross choice that he made. And I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I feel about Jamie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I have all in right. this <laughs> Um, I had one brief note that just says our babies are so in love because every chapter since they decided to try, since Simon decided to try, I feel like it's like more, they're more like, wow, this is going so well. And like, every time it happens, I'm like, I'm so happy. I know. (laughs) Oh, it's so cute. They're so cute. I'm so happy. Yeah. Oh, and then they're like not even like out of sight of uh Lady Ruth's house and they're like holding hands and I'm like, 
Yeah. I love it. And Baz initiated it, which feels like a really big deal because I feel like he's the one who's so much more like nervous about being publicly queer. Whereas Simon at this point is like, whatever. Yeah. If you can't be gay at Ikea, where can you? you know, just like, <laughs> right. Who the fuck cares? Right. So, I feel like yeah. it's, it's also kind of thing where it's like, I have literal dragon wings. This is the least interesting part about me. Honestly. Yeah, totally. Which I like <laughs> deeply respect also. <laughs> welcome to face the truth where we talk about things that are fucked up uh i really just have one overarching point which is ableism in the world of mages (laughs) yeah so we learn in ladies ruth is talking about like sort of that we're getting the brief in a nutshell about jamie's life and we learn that he didn't get into watford because he has dyslexia of some form or some kind of learned disability that I was interpreting as like one of the many flavors of dyslexia. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I was like, wow, that sucks. Especially because having a problem with reading, I'm like, okay, but there's clearly like you, you could work around that as a magical, as a mage, you know? Right. And for what to be like, nah, you don't make the cut. It's just like, damn. Yeah. Right. Which I feel like something that's really interesting about this book is that it was literally the last chapter, right? Where we learned that uh, Mitali has reinstituted the like tests to get in to Watford. And then we learn like pre the mage, uh, someone with dyslexia would not be admitted to Watford. And we never follow up about like, is that still the case when we say that she's reinstituted the tests, the trials, that's what they call them. Does that mean that kids like Jamie once again can't go to Watford? I'm like very frustrated that this isn't answered in hmm. text because things like this don't tend to be, we don't tend to get threads like that in Randall Rowell's work. You know, I, it is weird that we don't get that directly. I would say yes. And I'm basing that sort of on my sort of larger point is that it seems like what we're getting in this part of the book and really for the rest of this book is sort of how having people who have maybe a lower control over their active magic, it seems to, it almost kind of reads as a disability, like Mm -hmm. in, in the world of mages. And so it's like, IRL ableism and also magical ableism on like on top of each other. So I'm like, oh, if Middley reads the trials, I would bet money that this is cutting off a lot of people at Jamie and Daphne's sort of magical ability. I think a really interesting thing, though, is that it would also exclude people like Middley's husband who I think only got into Watford because he was like a legacy or whatever. And Daphne must have gone to Watford pre the mage, right? She's younger than Baz's dad, but not that much younger. Yeah, that is that is true. Uh, I think what we're also seeing is that we have characters like Baz, like Lady Ruth, like Middley Bunce, who have a very high amount of control over their uh, active magic. And it's very clear that they don't think about what a privilege that is, you know? Because even Baz is like, huh, 
weird to think about that maybe Daphne would feel some kind of way about not really being able to like actively use magic, you know, right. even though it's like, it's, it's a thing that doesn't even occur to him to ask. And I think possibly doesn't occur to Middley to like talk to her husband about either. Cause we see all these people just like, what, everyone's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you just don't have any idea because you have the like societal appropriate control over your magic. And right. there's obviously a threshold where it's like socially not acceptable to have a lower control of your magic, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting because of just the, the numbers that Smith Richards ends up seeming to have at his meetings. It's like, is this like half the world of mages who feel like they're not good enough? And if that's the case, you know, perhaps what a normal amount of control over your magic is should be reevaluated. <laughs> yeah. Um, which like, I think also feels like almost like a metaphor for IRL ableism where it's like, actually the variety of the way the human brain works and the amount of things that human brain can take in before you just become depressed and stressed out and anxious is probably not where society wants to think that it is, but it's like, right. Like, you got to produce under capitalism. And it's like, no, this is awful. <laughs> no one should be producing yeah. anything under these circumstances. Yeah, totally. So um, I want to like really quick just issue a clarifier that when I say normal amount, I mean average amount, uh, median amount, not yeah. like. Yeah. And I just think I also just kind of want to say that the book sort of is talking about having low magic and having a high amount of magic when it's like. As we've discussed, that doesn't like you're you're magical regardless of how much you can actively use your magic. Like Simon, Simon is still a mage, even if he cannot actively use his magic. Though it's sort of like having dragon wings and being able to fly obviously <laughs> means you're like you're still a mage. <laughs> like you're right. still a magical being, you know. So yeah, and I think this yeah a lot of what this book is talking about too is like what right what does it mean to be a mage and in what ways are sort of the the old ways maybe limiting that too because like when we meet Pippa and it's like wait why can't you know the book asks why can't she sign like why can't she use magic just because she can't speak with words and I think that's I don't know it feels like magic is um just no one has taken the time to be like okay so like Jamie you know, has dyslexia, he gets tongue-tied when he tries to cast, like, could he use sign language? Could he use, like, an assistive... I always forget what the second A and AAC stands for, but, you know, like, uh, other forms, like, things that help people to be able to communicate. Are there ways that you can use writing to cast? And, like, probably if they would expand right spend time trying to figure those things out look outside of the uk to see if there are other places in the world where magic is being performed differently and they just haven't done that and i hope that like what we see at the end of this book is gonna lead to people being interested in finding the answers to those questions like jamie and pippa knowing each other i think feels like a very promising thing of like oh yeah you are two people who would be interested in looking into this information you know yeah and like it also just it seems 
I mean, honestly, I think we get in this chapter a just sort of the undercurrent of, wow, the society that the, that like society of the world of mages is like deeply fucked up. And obviously what we call now dyslexia, the many different kinds of dyslexia is part of just being human. Like that is a part of the fabric of humanity, just like people who for whatever, you know, reason can't speak clearly or at all. Like that's just a part of what humanity is. So it's like, it would like, there are definitely mages in the world who are using sign language or some other form of being able to actively use their magic. Because again, this is just how people like, this is just a part of what people can do. And people are really good at figuring out how to be like, well, how do I do the thing I need to do? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Around like how my body and my mind operates. Yeah. Yeah. Baz being like the world of mages is founded on prophecy. I'm like, like, manifest destiny was like people being like i gotta conquer this land because god says so i'm like oh mm. i get such a kick out of the line <laughs> watford was prophesized where did you learn that they taught us that at watford i know oh i know it's just it's such just like a perfect encapsulation of like Take a step back and ask yourself who this information is benefiting. <laughs> right. And, like, and the fact that Simon is like, that's circular reasoning. It's like Simon barely knows what that means, but he can absolutely identify the fact that like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. Especially because I guarantee you they were not teaching logic courses at Watford. No, no. Did we talk about this? Maybe uh, someone must have taken like a logic or philosophy class when he was briefly in in university. (laughs) Oh, maybe. (laughs) Logic is one of the places that people tend to uh, get their philosophy requirement without having to take a philosophy class, which I approve of. Also, logic is so fun, everyone. If you like puzzles, you should take a logic class. I feel like logic is like a little bit too mathematical where it's like I can do it but it's really hard for me welcome to caught in a landslide where we rant about stuff you should start uh we've talked about almost everything that I have so I guess yeah the only thing I really have left is that there's this like I find it very fascinating that we have this whole like chosen one competition taking place to like fill the void that simon left because it's not like there was a void before simon you know so i find it really interesting that it isn't like well that didn't pan out like moving on you know and instead people are like no we we really needed a chosen one, turns out, somehow, emotionally. We just needed this. We needed it. And so now all these grifters or whatever are vying for chosen one status and people are invested in it for some reason. And I'm just like, but why? Like, that's so weird. Maybe entertainment is low in the world of mages unless you're involved in normal art, like art and culture and stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah, it sounds like if you're only into World of Mages stuff, I'm like, that sounds deeply boring. You don't have, <laughs> there's no plays, there's no bands, there's no art. So I, I guess it is just gossip. That's true. And I don't know. 
rare magical farm animals. <laughs> your Baz's dad, which I would love to talk about and learn more about, honestly. I'd be like, tell me about these nightmares. Tell me everything about them. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, my thing is that it honestly is kind of weird to me that the world of mages is just like, maybe your son was eaten by vampires, whatever. And I'm like, it's it's so small. Like, everyone pretty much knows everyone else. Like, it's not, a sp- like, maybe geographically sprawling, but, like, there's not a lot of people in the world. Of- you have one doctor. There's not a lot of people. <laughs> and, right. like, half a vet and half a veterinary. <laughs> right. So it's like, it seems like it would be more of a big deal if a mage disappeared. But he's not a mage. He's not a mage. I I think that's it. I think that if he, you know, if it was anyone who could use a wand, they would be much more interested in figuring out what was going on. But like, I don't know, it kind of feels like, you know, the thing where when, like in the in the 60s, 70s, when like, who whatever serial killer it was was like abducting and murdering college girls the cops were just like they probably just like hitchhiked to california whatever um they're just the mages are like isn't that what normals do don't they just leave sometimes and disappear forever whatever i i like how you brought that up because one of my things was that what is that dude's name smith smith richards sounds like a name of a serial killer It's a really weird name. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Uh, I love that our boys take turns going into great detail about how hot the other one is. I know, they're both so thirsty. It makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) Oh, it's just uh, like, uh, uh, just excellent. A plus. Yeah, it's lovely. I was going to read, like, some excerpts for anyone who didn't reread these. Okay, so Simon says about Baz, among many other things, uh, his eyes always look sleepy, but when he's actually sleepy, he looks like somebody trying to seduce you in a silent movie. One of those black and white fellows with a heavy eyeliner. And then Baz, later... Which hilariously means that Simon has seen more than one silent movie. (laughs) Interesting. Good point. I am so frustrated with myself right now. There it is. All right. Baz says of Simon, he looks too handsome in my clothes. He looks too handsome in his own terrible clothes. He's bloody unbearable in mine. I just, I just love them. I know. Yeah, like he says, where he's just like, you guys are not fooling anyone sitting in separate pieces of furniture when you're both like clearly eye fucking one another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or not eye fucking, just like you're looking at each other like you are a person in the desert and they're a glass of water. And you're just like, she's just like, that's where she's yeah. like, send, send the same couch. Like, what, what, are, they, what are these pretenses? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> oh, I love it. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and research that we did. All right, I just have two things here. First off, we learned that there are no good flying spells, which seems weird to me. Because I'm like, I feel like if you're a mage, one of the first things you're going to want to figure out is how to fly, right? That just seems 
You know how like nursery rhymes are really powerful. I refuse to believe that if you cast the song from the Disney Peter Pan, you would not be able to fly. Like that song would be so fucking powerful. I, I, yeah, I call shenanigans. Like has no one tried it? Cause that, I feel like I could cast that on myself right now and it would work. I don't have a wand or anything, but like, right. You know, I was also thinking that because I'm like, there's no fucking way that the first two lines of the Reading Rainbow song, which is butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high, is not a spell. There's no, no one can, no one can convince me of that. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we also get the light a candle spell, which is apparently huge big magic big big magic which is cool yeah i guess i assume because it is presumably a sort of like it has to last a long time if it's like a spell to essentially know if your children or a loved one is still alive which is heavy already but presumably lucy's one has been sort of burning for however old simon is 19 years 20 years like yeah yeah, I'm not sure if that's all it does. I guess I don't know the totality of what it does. Because, I mean, we say light a candle for for like a lot of different upsetting things that happen in people's lives, right? So I I bet you could use it for like more than one thing, but it also feels like the enormity of what normals use lighting a candle for someone for it makes sense to me that like that gravity would make it so that I don't know like using it like you know in capital M magic in this world would would be you know how flowers and food take life like it seems like this is the kind of thing where you would like have to give so much of yourself to be able to like make the thing work does that make sense it does make sense yeah actually I did a little bit of research about this Lighting a candle to remember to memorialize the dead. Really old. It goes in both uh, Judaism and Catholicism. Very old practice. Two different practices, but involving candles. Um, And then, like, the idea of, say, lighting a candle to guide the souls of the dead. uh, Very big in Catholicism, which, I mean, so many things copped it from paganism. So, of course, candle magic is wrapped up in there so like that is a huge thing and what this honestly kind of reminded me of considering that lady ruth has an altar is a little bit reminded me of a front of excuse my terrible punishation of this word everyone uh ofrendos for uh day of the dead Mm -hmm. um which itself is a holiday that is co-opted some indigenous mexican holidays but when the spanish took over and you know, force everyone to be Catholic. They just sort of combine the day of all saints and day of all souls, which is a Catholic holiday on November 1st, November 2nd. And then they just sort of come like out of that came like day of the dead, like, you know, with the ofrendos, with the candles, like having food on your, you know, photos and food and uh, marigolds on like an altar as a part of a celebration of people's, uh, you know, past loved ones essentially so yeah yeah so this is like a super old magical thing to do you know because it's a super old magical practice in real life 
Sorry. Sorry, listeners, for whatever sound it is that's happening outside. My neighbors are getting a new roof. It's a lot. So I'm gonna say, is that like, like a like a saw? I'm like, is that a leaf blower? But I'm like, it's not the time for leaf blowers anymore. Well, I mean, Portland. It is still okay. here. Um, but I don't totally know what that is, but it's very loud. Yeah, and I feel like we also will like, you know, if someone like if someone is missing, I think that it's pretty normal for like even totally a a religious people to be like light a candle for like my kidnapped child or like, you know whatever or like if someone is sick to be like light a candle for them and that you know in a way where it's like not even tied to like necessarily any sort of specific spirituality yeah which is what i mean about like the like multitude of uses in the normal world yeah that just makes it seem like this would be like such an incredibly powerful thing to yeah have turned into uh, like capital M magic spell. Yeah, like just so much history and collective power behind it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything else here? I don't. Those are my only two things. All right. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Next time we'll be reading chapters 29 and 30. Um, check out our other podcasts because we make a lot of them and they're good. So right now... The Gay Pirate Podcast is coming out if you're into Our Flag Means Death. And um, consider supporting this podcast in a variety of ways, like leaving us five-star written reviews and joining our Patreon. We both really appreciate it. Yeah. If anyone has ever like, rec- I'm looking for podcast recommendations, oh, just tell people. Be like, hey, I know an excellent podcast you could put in your ears. <laughs> yeah. Or even if they aren't, if someone's like, I watched the Barbie movie the other day, you should be like, oh my God, I listened to the most incredible podcast about the Barbie movie the other day. You should totally check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can force us into conversation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Thank you all so much. And until next time, Scottamoosh. Oh my gosh. I love it when we actually sync up on that. <laughs> 